Morning. Are you going to help me preach this morning? So how do you do that? What's that? Amen. Amen. Even if, you know, praise the Lord, go for it. Preach it, brother. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Nobody on this end going to do that? You're doing a good job. What if I'm not doing a good job? Are you just going to lie about it? Or? <laughs> there you go. Boy, we got all these very profound statements going on here. All right. So just before we start, you got a, an insert. I trust you got one on the way in. And it's the four questions that I left you with as you read the Gospel of Luke. And we're reading through the Gospel of Luke where we're exploring Jesus um, and really discovering again, like if, almost as if it was for, for the first time, who he is, his mission, his purpose, his passion, his, his uh, priorities. And so uh, I gave you four questions and I give you the handout so you can take it home, uh, put, it, uh, put it somewhere where as you read. You can just think of these four questions. Number one, what does this passage teach me about Jesus? And just take a look at that, his, his purpose, what, what was his, how did he treat people, how did he relate to people? The second question is, what does this passage tell me about myself? And so as you look at it and you see the, the you know, in the first question, you want to be specific with something, and then you want to look at yourself and say, is this something that is in my life? <clears throat> and if it's not, that, that's something to focus in on and say, why is it not? Uh, Philippians 2.5 says, let this mind be in you that also was in Christ. And the word mind there doesn't just way of thinking, uh, but it means affection or energy or, or passion uh, let that be in us. So we are to be imitators of who Jesus is. And the third question is, uh, what am I going to do in response to this passage? You know what? We read and read and we educate ourselves and we hear sermons. We do Bible studies. But if it does not transform your life, I consider it to be a complete waste of time. Anybody going to preach with me here now? Would you agree with me on that? You know, if you don't walk out here today looking at something and letting God speak to your heart, then basically you went to church, but it didn't change you at all. The fourth question, so you, you know, in that I just put there that a good way of starting that is I will statement, like I will, I, I will take care of this, I, I will change this, I will look into that. The fourth one is, with whom shall I share this, this what God has done in your life? Who are you going to share it with? It can, there's something powerful about uh, being in community with other people, talking to other people, sharing what God is doing in your life with other people, and, and even maybe even saying, can you pray about this? So I, I really feel God speaking to me. You share that with other people. And so those are the four questions that will help you as you read through the book of Luke. Now this morning, we're going to read a passage that we read last 
Monday in our scheduled reading. We're going to read it again, Luke 4, 14 to 21. I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of the gospel. And there is one section that is in yellow underlined. That's for you to read so that we'll kind of read together the passage. All right? Are you with me? Okay. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. This is your part. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is the gospel of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You may be seated. How many have ever been... Uh, to a court case. Have you been, been to a court case? Um, you know, that thing where there's a judge or a judge and jury? How many have ever been to one of those? Uh, I'm not saying you were the guilty person or you were charged. I'm just saying you went. <laughs> you went. To, uh, we should do it. How many have ever been guilty? And No, no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, wow, you were quick to listen. Raise your hand. Hallelujah. <laughs> All right, the, the, our, our Western um, system that we follow kind of works on the fact that there's a judge and, and, the, and, the, and the judge is, or a judge and jury, and, and they decide if there's enough evidence to convict you of a crime. And, and the whole emblem is based on a set of scales, and the scales represent... The, the two sides of the room, the two sides of the, of the case. And the prosecution attorney argues for a guilt charge. And then the defend attorney, which is your friend, presents arguments for uh, the innocence of the person being judged. And then finally, uh, the gavel is, is hit and the verdict is, is, is made. And that's kind of, kind of the basis of all our um, justice system in Canada, the states, Western Canada. Life, life has those two sides, doesn't it? It has the, 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 the side that condemns you and the side that defends you. And, and, and there's always this debate over what side you're on. It's like when, when you go to a business meeting and then all of a sudden somebody puts forth uh, a motion and the motion has a seconder and then there is, a, there is a vote on the motion and then the chairperson says, all those in favor say? Aye. 
and contrary-minded say? Amen. Let's try it again. All those in favor say? Aye. Contrary-minded say? Amen. I think the nays have it. So the, it's defeated. You know, or if it's really close like that, they, they do ballots and all kinds of things like that. And, and there's this, always this kind of role. It's right embedded in, in, our, in our system. And, and then you have the people that are always, have you ever met people that are always opposed? Whatever you say, they just have another opinion. Have, have, maybe some of you are like that. Whatever, whatever somebody says, no, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and they always feel like they have to give the counterattack to the whole system. Like even, even our government. Do you notice how our parliament runs? Our parliament, the government in power makes, makes a, a proposition or a decision and then the opposing power or, or what, what do we call it? The, the opposition. The opposition, their job is to oppose everything. You know, they just oppose everything. Have you ever watched the parliament? It's just like annoying. You know, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, it's a nice day today. We're opposed. It made me, made me think of this video, uh, Groucho Marx, uh, I'm against it. Did you watch this? It's kind of funny. I don't know what they have to say. It makes no difference anyway, whatever it is. I'm against it. I'm against it. No matter what it is or who commenced it, I'm against it. Your proposition may be good, but let's have one thing understood. Whatever it is, I'm against it. And even when you've changed it or condensed it, I'm against it. I'm opposed to it. On general principles, I'm opposed to it. We opposed to it. In fact, it opposed to it. I wouldn't ask who remembers that. <laughs> but <laughs> there is a few of us that remember that. But uh, have you ever met those people? They're just against everything. You know, I'm against it. Oh, whatever it is, I'm against it. And there's, there's that, that feeling also a lot of times with spiritual matters. That always there is this, the group of people on the side of the gavel that are there always pointing out your fault. And then the group of people on the side of the gavel that are there kind of defending your cause. And so as we look, as we look at the book of Luke and other gospels as well, the question I pose is, what side of the gavel do you think Jesus stands on? We read this part just a while ago. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim what? How many of you know if you're in a court case, you want to hear good news? You don't want to hear bad news. You want to hear good news. Good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim Freedom to the prisoner. Recovery of sight to the blind. To set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Can you see the side of the courtroom that Jesus is on? Uh, this very popular verse, John 3.16, kind of brings it out in a bit of a different way. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, whoever trusts in him, should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, to prosecute the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And John 
who wrote this verse in his epistle writes something very beautiful. He says, my dear children, I am writing this to you. He's writing to Christians, to believers. I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father, who is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. The Bible all the way through talks about the role of Satan. He's the accuser of the, of, of the believer. He's the accuser of... Uh, have you ever had that feeling where there is that voice inside of you that said, you didn't do it, you did this, you did that. That is his role. That is his, he, to accuse, to condemn you, to prosecute you. And then you have to remember that you have a, a defense attorney and his name is Jesus Christ. Jesus is our defense attorney. As you see Jesus traveling through the Gospels, you see those who are prosecuting, who are accusing. All the way through the stories, you will see that. All the way, you will see the two sides of, 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 the, of the kind of justice system, and you will see Jesus on the defending side. Yesterday, we read from Luke 5 in our Luke reading, and I, and I put it on the screen so that so you can, you can just see it again. Uh, Luke 5. Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So you see, again, the two sides. Why are you associating with this, these types of people? When I, when I look at that, I wonder, you know, and I look at that characteristic in Jesus, I wonder, would, would anybody accuse me of that? Would anybody say, uh, Pastor Dross, why do you hang around these people? Do, do you notice the phrase, these people? It's almost like, uh, you know, oh, I'm superior, I am better. I, these people, why, why do you do it? And Jesus responds... By giving himself a new title. First of all, we've seen that he is an advocate. He is a defensive lawyer. But also in this passage, he calls himself a doctor. And doctors deal with who? 
sick people. I, I remember, I, I might have told you this before, but I remember a guy coming, uh, a taxi driver pulling up in the foyer of the church and he was, he was waiting for somebody. I went out and I said, are you waiting for somebody? He said, somebody called a cab. And what they had done, they'd called three cab companies and whatever one came first, they, they, they took that cab. Don't ever do that, please. That, if you do it, uh, just go up to another church and do it from there. Don't do it from my... And he was really mad. And he said, what kind of a church is this anyway? I said, a church where sick people come. And they need to hear about Jesus. And he stopped for a minute and he said to me, ah, that makes sense. He said, I hope next time they pay. <laughs> you know, so, so I offered to pay and I, I said, look, I'll, I'll, pay your, I'll pay your fare. I'm so sorry somebody did that. But, but the point is, Jesus comes to the, and sees this man, Levi, which we know in the other Gospels is also Matthew. And we see this, this man, Levi, and he is, he is a tax collector for the Romans. He was scorned by his people as a traitor. He was taking taxes from his people, giving it to the Romans, and, and they saw him as scum. And Jesus sees something, a potential in this man. He sees something in him. He sees beyond all his, his guilt and his shame. And he invites him to follow him. There's no question that Levi was a lost soul. There's no question that Levi was, had a messed up life. But Jesus invites him to a changed life. And he becomes the first gospel writer of the New Testament. Jesus sees a potential in him. He becomes one of the apostles. And, and Jesus advocates for this man. And while the Pharisees saw him as just a, a sinner, tax collector, traitor, scum, Jesus goes after him. And I want you to know, it doesn't matter what you have done in the past, Jesus has a future for you. In Luke chapter 15, again, we see these two sides of the table. Uh, the tax collectors, it says, verse 1, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. Quite a definition. The tax collectors are gathered around to hear Jesus. And sinners. And the Pharisees, here comes, here comes the judging ones, the ones that are religious prosecutors, they're the ones always pointing out the, the things that are wrong. Not only are they judging these people, but they judge Jesus and they say, why are you hanging around these people? You welcome these people. And, and Jesus defends himself. He defends the cause of what's happening because he talks about his mission, his passion and purpose to advocate to be a doctor, to go after these people. And he gives a parable in response that is a trilogy parable of three parts. The first part of the parable is the story of the shepherd who had a hundred sheep and loses one. And he, when he discovers that he's lost one, you know the story, he takes and he puts the 99 in a safe place and he goes after the one lost sheep, until he finds it. 
Jesus is the shepherd looking for the lost. The next story is the story of a woman who had 10 coins and loses one. And the Bible story is she sweeps the house, she looks, she turns everything on until she finds the lost coin. Jesus in this story is the woman who looks until he finds it. The third story, and, and, and in both of these stories, he says, rejoice with me. Rejoice with me. It's a celebration. That's what turns the heart of God to joy is when someone who is lost, someone who is being prosecuted, someone who's in a mess gets found, gets saved, and gets touched and transformed. That is what causes heavenly party time. So the story of the lost son is the third part of the trilogy. It says that there's this father who has two sons. The youngest one says, Dad, I want the inheritance now so I can spend it now. And he takes the money. He says he set off for a distant country and there he squandered his wealth with wild living. And after he wasted everything, after he, 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 he completely uh, destroyed his life, he decides to go back to the father and he expects, obviously, the father to be angry with him. And he has prepared this little speech, oh, I'm sorry, dad, I'm, 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 you know, I'm not worthy to be your son, just give me a little job doing something around the farm. But here's what it says, while he was still a long way off. Did you see that? While he was still a long way off. What does that tell you? What that tells me is the father was doing what? He was looking for him. He was waiting for him. While he was a long way off, the father saw him and, and he ran to him and he said, you good for nothing kid. What are you doing here on the farm? No, he didn't do that. It's a beautiful picture of the grace of God. He runs to him, filled with compassion for him, and he, and he throws his arms around him. You, can you imagine this kid coming? He stinks, he's sweaty, he, he's been with the pigs, and dad comes running, hugs him, and kisses him. If that is not a picture of the heart of Jesus, I don't know what, is, what, what other picture you need. That is the compassion in, in the heart of Jesus. He is responding to the question, why do you hang around these people? And this is the story, because I have come to save, to embrace, to bring in, to advocate, to be a doctor for, to find the lost and needy in the world. He's an advocate. That's his mission. And that's the heart of God. We sing this song, and, and, and we'll sing it at the end of, the, of this uh, message, the, the humble king. You are the God of the broken, the friends of the weak. You wash the feet of the weary. Embrace the ones in need. I want to be like you, Jesus. Do you want to be like him? 
Do you really want to be like him? Don't, then maybe some of us have to move to the other side of the, of, of, of the gavel. Because if, if you're on the wrong side of the gavel, if you want to be like Jesus, I have the heart to have his heart in me. You are the God of the humble. You are the humble king. So prosecutor or defender, what side is Jesus on? I love this story in John chapter 8 where the Pharisees again, the prosecutors, the, the, the ones who point out the errors and people, they, they drag this poor woman in front of Jesus, they throw her on the ground, and they say, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. Can you imagine the shame? Can you imagine the shame? If you, are, if you are a female here today, can you imagine being thrown in front of a crowd of people and they, and they, and they say, this woman is an adulterer? Exposed, ashamed, feeling, feeling like what, everybody's looking at me. Where do I put my face? Where do I hide my, my, my embarrassment? They had no, they didn't care about that. Not a bit about that. <laughs> I think you're running after him. He's, he's running after you. <laughs> there you go. That's the prodigal son. <laughs> Jesus advocates for her. He defends her. He he responds in such a way that everybody present is ashamed of their own guilt and walk away. And then Jesus looks at her and he says, where are your accuser? He says, has no one condemned you? She said, no one, sir. All of a sudden, the prosecution is silenced by the defense of Jesus. Jesus declares Neither I condemn you. Isn't that beautiful? Neither I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Jesus doesn't, doesn't justify wrongs and sins. He, he tells Levi, Levi, leave your table, come follow me. There is no question that God calls us to transformation and to following him. But he still is the attorney who defends us when we fail. He is still the attorney. They cared more about her sin. Jesus cared more about her soul. They offered condemnation and guilt. Jesus offers her grace and forgiveness. They exposed her shame. Jesus, I love this word, covered her guilt. I love this verse in 1 Peter 4, 8. He says, above all. Can you say those two words with me? Above all. Above all. That, that is kind of like on the top of the pile, the number one thing. This is the most important thing that you need to consider. Peter says, above all, love each other deeply because love does what? Covers a multitude of sins. It doesn't expose, it doesn't shame, it doesn't point out, oh, you were wrong. Oh, you did this. Oh, you should have, you shouldn't, 
It doesn't do that. It covers, it protects a multitude of sins. Prosecutor or defender? And the question is, when I observe Jesus, what side are we on? What side of the gavel are we on? What side of the gavel am I on on my daily walk with Christ? When I'm around people, when I'm in the, the business in the stores, when I'm, all, when I'm with my... What kind of a person am I? What kind of a person are you? What side of the table or the room do you find yourself in? Next week, we're going to be looking in the end of the week at Luke chapter 6. We're going to be talking about the teachings of Jesus. And, and the teachings of Jesus are how the kingdom works. If you want to follow Jesus, if you want to be like Levi and follow Jesus, be a disciple of him, Jesus said, this is how it works. It's not a matter of just information. It's a matter of transformation in your life. How does it work? Luke 6, 36 says this, be merciful. Be merciful. Just as what? How many know that God has been merciful to us? How many can just raise your hand and say, thank you, Jesus. He's been merciful to me. Do not... Isn't that complicated? Do not... Wow! And you will not be judged. How many like to be judged? Paul, do you like to be judged? How many rather not be judged? Here's the formula. You want to know the formula? Don't judge. Do not... Guys... This is not Anna Green Gables. This is not uh, Avatar. This is not one of the, this, this is Jesus telling us how to function. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive. Paul says in Colossians, as Christ forgave you and you will be forgiven. In 55 plus years that I have been a Christian, I've observed something. In the church, some of the harshest judgmental people that I have met, it's only a matter of time, down the road, that some really nasty stuff came out about them. I've seen it. I've seen it. I can give you illustrations and topics of some of the most critical, judgmental uh, people that were all the time picking. Well, ye, ye, ye. some of the nastiest stuff came out of them down the road. You know what? I want a whole pile of mercy on my life, and so I want to give a whole pile of mercy out. How you treat someone when they fail will determine how God will treat you when you fail. And don't tell me that, you don't say, well, I'll never fail. When you're 66 like I am, 
I can never say that. I need the grace of God on a daily basis. I need his favor in my life. I, I, the organization that I am part of for my ordination and as minister, their model, their, their, their mission statement is extending grace and igniting hope. I love that. Over, over my, my year as a pastor, I have sat down with so many people and had the opportunity of extend grace to them at their time of failure. And I have watched the hope in their heart as they move forward. And their life was changed. I have received cards from them. I have received emails from them, phone calls, and say, you saved my life. Because I chose to live by this verse to extend grace and mercy and be an advocate and not uncover someone's shame, but try to help them and protect them, lest it be me someday. Can I hear just some sort of an amen somewhere? Because I'm ready to bust on this thing. I really am. Jesus calls us to be advocates for people. Defenders. Extenders of grace. Not just to the people that you like or the people that are like you. But to all people around you. To see them as potential Transform people by the grace, mercy, and power of the Holy Spirit in their life. To bring hope, to bring forgiveness, to extend forgiveness. And for all of that, you need to be humble about the whole thing and to see people's potential. Do you want that heart? That's the heart I want. That's the church I want to be a part of. That's the people I want to hang around. That's the kind of world I want to see the church become. Because very often, the church should be known for its non-judgmental, merciful, compassionate heart. But how many know that very often that's the last thing we are known for? Last thing we're known for. Oh, yeah, those Christians. Oh, boy, are they ever judgmental. Shame on us. How do you like me now? How do you like me now? Can you stand and sing this song with us? And when it comes to that part, I want to, I want the hearts I want that heart in me. May you have the heart of Jesus. Tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Don't sit on the side of the room where the prosecutors are. Sit on the side of the room where Jesus is. And extend to people the grace and mercy and kindness and love of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen?
before you start this. Oh, kneel me down again here at your feet. Show me how much you love humility. Oh, Spirit, be the star. Oh, Spirit, be the star that leads me to the humble heart of love. I see. I see. Come on, sing it. You are the God of the broken. You are the God of the broken. connected and distracted God with our political affiliations and and we hang around the people that think like us and vote like us and talk like us but there's a world out there that's beyond beyond our little circles it's the world that you want to reach. May we be Jesus to the world around us. May we love the people that are not like us and extend grace and ignite hope in the hearts of people that are struggling. Whether they're rich or poor, whether they're educated or not educated, whether they're on drugs, whether they have it all together. May we be advocates for them, ambassadors, ambassadors of hope for the world around us. May they say, I don't, I don't know who all's for me, but I know some people are for me. And may we see the potential in their life the God potential. That every human being, regardless of who they are, is created in the image of Almighty God. And they are loved by God. Whether they agree or disagree with our theology, they are loved by God. And we are called to love them in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Send us, God, with the passion of Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.